Bellator Champion Series is back in action Friday, May 17th, live from Paris, France. Reigning bantamweight champ Patchy Mix defends his belt in a rematch against dangerous submission specialist Magomed Magomedov. And Cedric the Best Doombay makes his Bellator debut in front of a home Paris crowd versus Jaleel the Realist Willis. Don't miss the action live at noon EST on HBO here in the U.S. And visit bellator.com watch for information on how to watch around the world. This is the very first time you'll be able to stream a Cedric Doombay fight here in the U.S., so make sure you don't miss it. You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to help you plan that unbelievable travel experience. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, excursions, and more in one place. There are over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from, so you can find something for everyone. And Viator offers free cancellation and 24-7 customer support for worry-free travel. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. You're listening to the Vox Media Podcast Network. Ah, yes, the victory horns sound once again following another UFC pay-per-view event. They sound for Alexander Volkanovsky. They sound for Alexander Pantoja. They sound... For Drickus Duplessis, holy moly, those are just bits and pieces of the craziness. That was UFC 290 that went down tonight. T-Mobile Arena in Las Vegas, the International Fight Week capper. We're here to break it all down right now here on the UFC 290 live post-fight show. Thank you for joining us. I am Mike Heck. Joining me, the wise wordsmith, Shaheen Alshadi. What's up, Shaheen? Did you have a good time tonight? Oh my God, I had such a good time. I'm so glad to be here with you, Mike Heck, to be here with the people. Uh, I am so excited for this. What a card. What, what? That's one of my favorite cards we've had in a long, long time, and I'm so excited to talk about it with y'all. And Mr. Victory Lap himself, Jed Mishu. I mean, it's just like every two years, an angel gets its wings and Jed has a hot take that pays off. What's up, buddy? How you feeling? It's going to be a good week, Mike Heck. It was a really good night. I'm very much enjoying what happened at UFC 290. Best card in some time. Years and years. And I'm just buzzing. Just buzzing with with all the wonderful things. With the greatest middleweight fighter in the world. Arguably the greatest of all time (laughs) since we just throw that term around now. Willy nilly. Uh, I'm excited to talk about all of this with you guys. It's going to be a good one. Yes, well, there's so much to break down. Um, let's just get right into it. We'll start at the main event. Alexander Volkanovsky just, he's taking on Yaya Rodriguez. Everyone's thinking, you know what? If there's any guy in this division right now that could really threaten Alexander Volkanovsky and stylistically give him a really hard fight, it's Yaya Rodriguez. But Volk took him down right away. He really didn't struggle. He took some some decent shots in the fight. But all throughout Shaheen, this is Volkanovsky just putting together a great a great game plan, took him down, wore him down after two rounds, and then decided I'm just going to stand with Yair. 
clipped him with a huge right hand, put him up against the fence, unloaded some shots, scooped him up, slammed him, and just pounded him out. Volkanovski remains the featherweight champion. How would you rate his performance? I know it's kind of hard because it's such an emotional dump going from all the main card fights, Shaheen, and then going to that one, it was like Rock Hogan going to Triple H Jericho at the Sky Dome for WrestleMania. Great match, but following Pantoja Moreno, it's like almost impossible to top that or even match that fight. Yeah, I mean, I want to talk about Volkanovski because he what he's accomplished at this point is pretty special. But I do want to almost do big picture view first because of exactly what you just said, right? Like I eight years ago, I had the extreme fortune to be in attendance for UFC 189. And that was just a card that lit the MMA world afire, right? Like that just blew up everything. It was one of the it ends with the greatest seven fight run in MMA history. It's still my favorite memory in more than a decade of sort of working within this sport. And to me, that was the one night that forever will have cemented that this thing that the UFC does, the International Fight Week celebration that we do every time of this around this time of year is the Super Bowl of MMA, right? Like it's the big it's the big week. It's the big card that you sort of build the year around. And since then we've we've had some good cards. We've had some hits, we've had some misses. We've had some bad International Fight Week's card. I think last year it wasn't particularly that great. But not since UFC 189 have I felt the the same type of magic that we felt in 2015. At least not until tonight. Like UFC 290 is not going to surpass 189 to me is, is you know, the greatest pay-per-view of all time or just the greatest international fight week card of all time. But it's certainly the best one we have had since that that event. And it's the new front runner easily for event of the year for me. And if this doesn't win by the time December rolls around, you know we have had one just amazing back half of 2023 because what a night it was just from front to back. But yeah, I mean, we have to start with the champion. And really, to me, what Alexander Volkanovsky is putting together is I said it at the top, but it's so incredibly special at this point, right? Like this man is my number one pound for pound fighter in MMA. And we just watched him steal Yair Rodriguez's soul straight out of his body on Saturday night in really a way that no one has done since like Frankie Edgar all the way back in 2017. And that was like when Yair was just an infant, like a baby in this game. So, and, and also like take into effect, like, what was it? It was 2021, right? It was just a couple of years ago when Yair went to absolute war with Max Holloway and showed all sorts of tremendous heart. And again, Volkanovsky just completely sucked that out of him tonight. And to me, the, the one stat that sort of says it all, Alexander Volkanovsky absorbed just 13 significant head strikes over 14 minutes of action tonight. 13 significant head strikes. Alexander Volkanovsky got hit clean in the head less than once per minute throughout this fight. Like what we what this man continues to do is is incredible. I, I'm so deeply uninterested in the GOAT discussion and I hope we don't have to do that again here because it just it takes away from from all of the victories that this man continues to pile up. But it's just again, this to me is the best fighter in all of MMA right now. He is the most talented guy doing this. And tonight was just a masterclass again, uh is showing his dominance over this division. Incredible stuff. Jed, I, you almost had a perfect night, right? The one thing that could have put it over the top is if Yair had beat Volkanovski. You said that when you were on the watch party, but this is just a masterclass from Volk. Were you surprised it played out this way? I mean, you, you were a guy who was on Yair almost from Jump Street. As soon as he beat Josh Emmett, you were like, I don't know if I'm picking him to win, but I think it's going to be a really compelling fight. And this was, to me, the most intriguing matchup on the schedule 
And it just turned out that really wasn't because Volk was just that much better than him. He was just so ready for Yaya Rodriguez. Are you surprised that Volk made it look so easy tonight? First, I want to start by saying uh, I believe I said that the co-main event could be the best fight the UFC can put together, and I was laughed at. I was ridiculed. I was said that's insane. Not looking so dumb now, am I, ladies and gentlemen? Second thing I'd like to say, and important, because, look, this this show, this website, this sport needs truth tellers. That's what I am, ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> I'm not here to tell you that Alexander, Vol- Ale- Alexander Volkanovsky won. I'm not taking that win away. But we're all just going to pretend like he didn't launch one of the nastiest headbutts we've ever seen literally a minute before knocking out Yair Rodriguez. We're all just we're all just forgetting about the big nasty. Come on! Immediately before Yair got knocked out, dude. It got even, your own, it. even your own live blog to start the third round said this fight is functionally over. What are you? I know you're doing stick right now, but what are we doing? Come on! After so, the first round, Volk can get takedowns. Yair's screwed. Yeah, he is. And that's that's the thing. Like, I, I want to be really clear. I don't think that it was deterministic because in the fact that, like, I think Yair was just cooked. Uh, I just wanted it out there because nobody else is going to say it. And I feel like it warrants that Yair Rodriguez, incredibly durable human being, literally a minute after eating a super nasty headbutt that was so bad, John Anik and DC are like, oh, damn, like, what the, oh, pretty tough. He gets knocked out, and I not I don't think that it mattered because I think Volk was winning that fight one way or another, but I feel like it might be related to the specific outcome we had. Uh, other than me doing shtick, is an incredible performance from Alexander Volkanovsky, right? Like this, and that's the thing. I'm Volkater. I've never once said that that man is anything other than incredible. Uh, very real like there's a very real argument that he is the best fighter we have ever seen and i have said that since watching him pitch a perfect game i mean back-to-back perfect games frankly against chanson jung and uh max holloway like it's really there's like a very legitimate argument he's the best fighter we've ever seen uh i don't care about doing the the goat talk we can have it if if the fans deem it necessary uh but this was perfect from him. And this is the thing I have wanted the whole time while people are like, Jed, you suck. No, you know what's dope? When champions defend their belts against the best guys in the division, because we can just look back and be like, holy shit, man, this is pretty cool. He just beat this dude. And in 12 years, uh, some new hot guy will, will be coming up, you know, uh, Ilya Taporia will have a hell of a run going and people will look back and be like, yo, Yaya Rodriguez, he sucks shit. He's not really worth anything. And we can do this whole song and dance over. But me, I'll be like, man, a title defense. That's incredible. Keep doing more of that, please, because this is what I love about fighting. I love watching the best guys in the world just establish a level of dominance that is not unprecedented but incredibly unique and doesn't happen like i i want to appreciate this part of it and i did i thought this was a phenomenal night from volkanovsky you can't take anything away from from him over over how this happened or it it was as close to perfect a performance as you can have again he continues to do it if you have him as your top pound for pound fighter in the world absolutely totally reasonable i do not he's number three for me but I, I have no issue with anyone that puts him there. Well, 
if you're a fan of Volkanovski defending his title against fellow featherweights, uh, I have a feeling you might be disappointed here, Jed. And I want to ask Shaheen about this because heading in, heading into today, if you asked me this question yesterday, if you said, Mike, if Volkanovski does exactly what he did, what's he going to do next? I would say unequivocally 1,000% he's fighting Ilya Teporia because Charles Oliveira is going to fight Islam Makachev in Abu Dhabi, fight island. He's going to get his rematch because why wouldn't he? If he wanted to get his shot, he's got to do it now. Turns out he's not going to be ready for that. And Islam Makachev is going to have to fight somebody else. Now, Volkanovsky did say after the fight he needs to get a surgery. Dana White said it wasn't too serious. And then Volkanovsky came up to the press conference, also said it wasn't too serious. And he's not ruling out fighting Islam Makachev in October because Shaheen, Islam Makachev is going to fight on that card. And he has to fight somebody. And if it's not Charles Oliveira, is it going to be Alexander Volkanovsky, whether fans are hankering for it to happen right now or not? Is it going to be somebody else? Like, is Volk in October, is Volk fighting Makachev? Do you feel like that's what's going to happen after tonight? I hope not. I really, really, really hope not, man. I mean, you got Dustin Justin in three weeks. Those two dudes are probably going to kill each other. So who, who knows the turnaround on that? Also, I'm sure they can convince Charles Oliveira to do certain things if they were trying to, whether, you know, money talks, the cheddar makes it better. But I really just hope not, man. I I, I don't feel like it's the right time for this fight. Rack, like Jed said, racking up title defenses to me is infinitely more meaningful interesting challenging than whatever this allure of being a two division champion has become because from a historical standpoint we said this on the previous show you'd rather be anderson silva than henry cejudo right like like that's at the end of his career volkanovsky has just claimed this featherweight title defense record which he hasn't yet and and just propelled it up into the clouds so high that no one will ever reach it like history will look back on him much more fondly than if he manages to beat islam makachev in, in his second crack at it like these two divisions right now are just absolutely on fire there's so much cool interesting compelling talent coming up here at 145 starting with Ilya Zaporia that I, I I deeply want to see this man just rattle off as many title challenges as we as we, he could possibly can in the in the window that he has left because we we sort of hinted to this on the previous show I mean we didn't hint at it we, we talked about it at length but Alexander Volkanovsky is going to be 35 years old in a couple months he is already the second oldest like champion under 100 at 155 or below in UFC history. Like what he is doing at this stage in his career is historically unprecedented in a lot of different ways. And and once that the, the sort of you come to the end of the line in these lower weight divisions, it happens quick. It happens suddenly. And it, it just happens irreversibly. Like we never know when that moment's going to come for, for Volkanovsky where all of a sudden he's just the half step too slow out there. And then that's the end of his run. If I'm him, I want to just keep stacking up these title defenses as many possible so that when we do inevitably have the GOAT conversations and things like this in the future, to put that resume in a place where it's unassailable because I don't believe it is right now. And so to me, I, that's the mo- that's the hardest thing to do in this sport is to be the Anderson Silva, to be the John Jones, to be the George St. Pierre who is just sticks around and does the damn thing over and over and over and over again. And I, I mean, we, we tried the champ champ thing. It was a good time for it. Volk had earned it certainly earlier this year when we did it. I just it'd be so rushing it back if if we did it again uh just later this year i i want to see this man fight Ilya taporia i am so high on that fight i can't wait for that fight i hope that happens what do you think jed like look none of like i think we're all in agreement we want to see volk fight Ilya taporia we want to see islam akachev defend his title against guys in his division 
Right now, there's nobody really there. There's Armin Sarukian. You could do the rematch. He's coming off of a win. Benil Dariush lost. The name I like to throw out, it's, it is your favorite fighter, Jed Mishu. Michael Chandler is a name I continue to throw out as a possibility. Do you, th- you think that's, that's it. going to happen? Uh, those are the two options. Volker, Michael Chandler, in my opinion, unless Poirier or Gaethje get a 12-second knockout when they fight in three weeks. I think that there is a better chance that Alexander Volkanovsky does not compete this year than that he fights as Lamakachev in October. I simply do not think it is 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 happening. Uh, I don't. I, I'm not a medical doctor. He's going to have some sort form of surgery or not. And if you tell me, hey, I'm just going to not do this and fight him, and be like, well, that's really dumb. I'm far less interested in you fighting him not at full power because we already saw you lose. Like that's just not like that. Let's not do this. Um, I I said coming into this, I forget where it was, and maybe it wasn't something I wrote that it was pretty. Un- I thought it was pretty unlikely Volk fought three times this year because historically champions don't fight three times in a year. It is very very difficult when you are facing the best competition in the world and you are trying to be at peak performance because titles are on the line that you can compete three times in a year. Everything has to go right. Sounds like everything isn't all the way right with him. So uh, an October turnaround with surgery on the thing, I I don't think it's likely. I think there is a world where Charles Oliveira is just saying stuff um, and that they just rock that anyway because that seems like the most likely. But if not, and Charles Oliveira isn't just saying stuff, I think Michael Chandler uh, is going to get a call from the UFC saying, hey, man, no, you got to fight with Conor make you a deal if you win you can fight connor for the belt that'll be fine we don't know what the hell connor's doing we can't corral him he's not jumping in usada and it's going to be bad optics for us to just give him a pass want to fight islam it's not quite the same as fighting habib but it's kind of the same and there is a belt on the line and it will do that or hell they can just say Armand sarukian let's go i just think it's incredibly unlikely we get uh volk next and if it happens, it's just so dumb. Like the the Ilya fight is there. And the fact that people afterwards were like, I don't want to say names about specific reporters or whatever, were like, looks like he cleaned out the division again and there's nobody to fight. Like <laughs> Ilya Tuporia to, no, to won less than a week ago. Please, for the love of God, take some Joe Rogan alpha brain or whatever and have the ability to remember things that have happened outside of a four-day window. It's like in memento in here. These people cannot remember shit and are acting like Ilya Tapuria didn't just whitewash the dude who fought Yair for the interim strap undefeated, has all the swagger in the world. Like that's a... That's a clear matchup. Why are we pretending that it's not? And it lets Volk get surgery, recover, and they can fight at the end of the year. It's so – it's the most no-brainer in the history of the world. And then me, the guy who is the most anti-Volk, if he beats Yair and he goes and beats Ilya Tapuria – I won't say he's cleaned out the division because I don't think it's true, but I will say that he's picked up two extremely good wins, extremely important wins, and now if we want to run it back and nobody else has jumped up to the top of the line in some way, like something insane hasn't happened to create another one, okay. You know, if Aljamain Sterling isn't going to get a featherweight title shot or whatever, fine, then we can run it back. But, like, man just needs to fight Ilya, so – because I'm, I'm with – I'll close it here. I'm with Shaheen. 
as simply as I can put it, there have been two fighters in UFC history who have have eleven or have double digit title defenses. Sanderson Silva is Demetrius Johnson. There have been like eight who are champ champs. One of these things is just significantly more impressive than the other, but no one recognizes that. Give me a long dominant champion. They they were big upping him about a three year title reign, which is awesome. I'm not here to say Volk being king for three years isn't badass. It freaking is. There are like actually ten other fighters who have done this. It is okay to be like, hey man, just keep doing this. This this fucking rules, and that's what I want for him. I want that to happen, and that's what we should happen. And I think it is what's going to happen. I hope you're right. I hope you're right. We'll see how this all plays out. The Bellator Champion Series is back in action Friday, May 17th, live from Paris, France. Reigning bantamweight champ Patchy Mix defends his belt in a rematch against dangerous submission specialist Magomed Magomedov. And Cedric the Best Doombay makes his Bellator debut in front of a home Paris crowd versus Jaleel the Realist Willis. Don't miss the action live at noon EST on HBO here in the U.S. And visit bellator.com watch for information on how to watch around the world. This is the very first time you'll be able to stream a Cedric Bay fight here in the U.S., so make sure you don't miss it. Vacations can be tricky. You already know how to book flights and hotels, but now the only thing you're missing is you know, the actual travel experience. Because is it really a vacation if you're just sitting around like you would at home? You need a tool to get the most out of your time away. That's where Viator steps in. You can book guided tours, activities, excursions, and more in one place to make your trip truly unforgettable. Viator has over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from. Everything from simple tours to extreme adventures and all the niche, interesting stuff in between so you can plan something that everyone you're traveling with will enjoy. Real traveler reviews give the inside scoop from people who already been on the experiences you're considering, so you can plan with confidence. Free cancellation helps you plan for the unexpected, and 24-7 customer support means you can travel worry-free. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. Let's move on to the new flyweight champion of the world, Alexandra Pantoja. Shaheen, these two, on Robbie Lawler's final night of competition, boy, did they make the ruthless one proud. These two guys got after it, and it was almost perfect. It was almost poetic. And then, just to drop the, old, the only negative here, Ben Cartledge, who is a great <laughs> judge, is typically a fantastic judge. One of the best. One of the best. 49-46 Moreno. I could not believe my ears when I heard that. I'm like, oh, my God, Pants might get the big fat hose job here because it would not be inconceivable for somebody to score that 48-47 Moreno. 49-46 is ridiculous. I don't agree with 48-47, but if you want to make that case, I'm willing to listen to it. But Pantoja gets it done. The moment with his kids and his wife and his family reacting – the post-fight interview, are you proud of me now, Dad? Are you proud of me now? Like, all of it was just ice magic. What a cold. fight. Ice cold post-fight. I don't know if that's Tremendous ice cold though. or, like, haunting. 
that was like that hit me right here in a really profoundly sad way yeah well i was wondering what was keeping this man alive while brandon moreno was hitting him in the face with sledgehammers for 25 minutes and i think we might have found some motivation here but talk about the fight shaheen Pantoja's performance, the durability of this man, how he kept coming back, like everything about this fight is one I'm going to go back and watch again and again and again. I'll tell you what, Mike Heck, it continues to just be comical to me that the UFC almost (laughs) threw this division into the trash just because Demetrius Johnson had the temerity to stand up for himself against the UFC's obsession with TJ Dillashaw during that whole situation like four or five years ago because all the flyweights have done since then is just put up fight of the year contender after fight of the year contender after fight of the year contender just over and over and over again this division continues to prove why it should exist and why I'm so glad that it continues to exist and tonight was no different man like you like this I don't know if this is the fight of the year I still think Volk Islam is probably the fight of the year, but it's certainly up there. And there's a 99% chance that it's going to be on the, on some sort of short list for fight of the year by the time we get to the end of the year. Cause again, this was just tremendous theater through and through. Uh, I had, it, I ultimately scored at four, one for Pantoja. That to me felt like the proper scorecard giving Brandon Moreno the second round, but man, like Brandon Moreno made this man work for it. Like the, 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 depths to which this became a war of attrition by the end of it uh it's just incredible anytime you could see two athletes really put it all out there like this it's it's also cool to me to see because i've said this before on i think on different things that we've done shows writing etc but like to me pantoja was always the guy who sort of was the biggest loser during this whole detour this flyweight division took for this four fight series between Moreno and Figueredo, right? Like, like Pantoja has sort of been this next man up for this division since like 2021. He was the guy who had two wins over Brandon. He, he was the guy who basically sent Brandon packing out of the UFC that first, that after that second win, he had a win over Kai Kara France from the ultimate fighter. Like he's just sort of the man who was continually getting overlooked in these conversations, that sort of unspoken terror, that unheralded terror, the dark horse, if you will, and just kind of sitting there having to wait his turn. And similar with Volk where like the age is, is sort of unprecedented in a way of like continuing to do this at the age that he is. Like, like I was legitimately scared as someone who has been saying this man was going to be UFC champion for like two or three years now. I was scared by the time this this fight came that he had almost gotten Tony Ferguson out and sort of landed in that Tony Ferguson zone where he just ultimately missed his window. And by the time the actual chance to fight for the title came, it was just too damn late. And I mean, this we're talking about someone who's 33 years old in, in a flyweight division that just is not kind to, to people who are 33 years old. And yet Pantoja came out here, did it again. Sometimes a man just has another's number and he's now 3-0 and against Brandon Moreno. And that was a scintillating performance. I, I Dana White sort of hinted in the post-fight press conference that maybe a, a Moreno fourth fight would be next. I hope that's not the case because that doesn't make a lot of sense to me, even though this one was very fun. To me, give me Brandon Royval, man. Like Pantoja versus Brandon Royval feels like it would be the most fun possible. It's just ultimate chaos. I know they might go Amir Al-Bazi for Abu Dhabi because of sort of the, the regional interests in that in that regard. But I hope it's Brandon Royval because to me, that would be a potential fight of the year. Like that's that's everything that this is. And then you even just step splash on a tiny bit more chaos to it. So ultimately, I love it. Fight of the year contender, certainly. And this flyweight division just continues to just be so damn fun for me. Yeah, I mean, can't really say much more. Jed, anything you want to add to I mean, you watched you watched the fight with us during the watch party. I mean, this is this is an incredible performance from Pantoja. And 
Brandon Moreno looked sensational. And if you told me in the second round that Brandon Moreno broke his hand, I would have been like, no, he didn't. Cause it didn't seem like he had a broken hand. And sure enough, Brandon Moreno was still putting together all of what he did in that fight with one freaking hand, which is even more insane. Yeah. It's great performance. Uh, Here's what I'll say. I don't think we're going to do Royval next. Um, I think it's going to be Albazi. Uh, not just because Abu Dhabi kind of fits, uh, but because Pants already pantsed Royval not that long ago. But I'm okay with it. If we do Royval next, I am okay with it on one condition. I want us to get Brandon Royval. And after that, the UFC is going to have to make a signing. It's going to have to go. They're going to have to call up their friends at one championship and say, I got another trade I'd like to make. And I don't care by hook or by crook, you get Brandon Vera to the UFC and you see if Alejandro Pantoja can just beat all the Brandons because he's 3-0 against Moreno. He's got Roy Vall. Let's see if Pants versus Brandon Vera and this man can adopt his true persona as the Brandon killer because that's what he is, baby. Well, you can go to Game Brand Bare Knuckle and fight Brandon Davis. That's uh, look, more close to keep... his weight class. No, no, but it's way funnier if it's Vera. That's you, like he could definitely take the back of Brandon Vera and choke him out. That could happen. I mean, how much Brandon Vera weighing at this point? That's a big uh, man. He's the, he was the one heavyweight champion, but like I don't know. Apparently, Pantoja can't be killed. Brandon Moreno hit the <laughs> crap out of that dude, and he was just like, "Nah, I'm gonna keep fighting. We're fine." Him and Dan Hooker are made of some stuff, man. Yeah, and we'll talk about that in a second. Uh, one more thing I want to talk about with this fight before we move on, Shaheen, is you talked a lot about the intrigue in the main event, how this could be like kind of the changing of the guard. And I understand that Brandon Moreno is, you know, not an older man. He's not in his mid-30s or anything. But for the last three-plus years, Brandon Moreno has been a piece of this championship puzzle, whether it being for undisputed titles, fights with Figueredo, interim title fights, etc. Now we have a fresh face in the mix we have two potential new challengers in Royval and Amir Albazi where does Brandon Moreno fit now like do we so uh, just a little teaser AK and I are going to do matchmaking tomorrow my pick is Brandon Moreno versus Henry Cejudo like let's just do that get it out of the way let's just do it like settle the rivalry whatever it could be on a paper 135 yeah do it at 135 wherever they want to do it just let them fight and they can shut the hell up about the the rivalry. Let's just squash it and put it behind us. We never have to hear about it again. Let's just do that. Give him a break from the title picture. Let him settle this one way or the other. And then he can go back and try to get to the belt. But where does Brandon Moreno go from here? Like, sure, you could go run it back a fourth time. But I don't think people are going to be really clamoring for it, like, right this second, even though this fight was great. I don't hate the Cejudo fight, but I would pose a question to you of what exactly that does to help Cejudo. Because he seems very motivated for certain goals, and I don't know that beating Brandon Moreno gets him anywhere closer to those specific goals that he has. Right. Now, if Henry Cejudo is fighting Marlon Vera in Boston, I don't make this suggestion. But guess what? This division is about to pass Henry Cejudo by, because by the time he's ready to fight... Mm. Mm. 
Is it though? Dude. We thought the division had passed him by, and then Aljamain shoehorned him into a, another title shot. I don't know that anything's passed. If Aljamain Sterling wins on August nineteenth and vacates the title, Rob Dwalishvili, who Henry Cejudo desperately wants to fight, is going to fight for that vacant title, and he's going to fight the winner of Corey Sanhagen versus Umar Nurmagomedov. Unequivocally, that is going to be what happens. If Sean O'Malley wins, I don't. Nobody. If Sean O'Malley wins, he's fighting Cheeto Vera, who's probably going to be Pedro Munoz. So I mean. The longer Cejudo waits to get back in there, the more this division passes him by. I feel like I, this fight's a possibility. Your confidence in the UFC's uh, maybe inability or not not wanting to just shoehorn Henry Cejudo into any possible title conversation at the at the expense of like a Corey Sanhagen or whoever is uh, it's inspiring, frankly, because I don't know that I share your confidence. Uh, I want to live in that world, though, Mike. I, I very much want to live in the world that you're describing. Uh, as for like what's next for Brandon Moreno, I mean, I don't know what, right? He's like 29 years old. So this is certainly not the end of, uh, I feel, it feels yeah. like he's just hitting his prime. He's going to be in this title mix for a long time now, or at least the next several years. So I could see him sort of shuffling back into the mix and, and, and fighting some of these top contenders. This division is just so fascinating right now. Cause it really is sort of undergoing, like you said, it's not, I wouldn't say this is a changing of the guard or like a sea change. Cause Brandon Moreno is still sort of in that younger peers, group but there is a lot of interesting talent coming up who hasn't gotten their opportunity right you got manel cop out there who's just ceaselessly talking trash about every good fight that we're getting like i just love that man's dedication to hating uh it's it's very again inspiring to to use the word i just used it's you gotta love it player haters ball mvp manel cop uh also you got you know muhammad mahayev coming up amir alabazi as we said is sort of a new face in this crowd Roy Val, like there's a lot of just fun stuff going on generally at 125. So I don't feel like it's really hard right now to match make for someone who's as popular and as talented as Brandon Moreno. Like there, there will be fights for him. Oh, there's certainly going to be fights for him. I just kind of want to see the pseudo thing. We'll just get it done. They like no one to talk about each other and then they talk about each other and then it's just so silly. Like, let's just do it. Who cares? And if Cejudo wins, sure, it does something for him, gets him a win, and then Dana can be like, oh, he's getting a title shot because you just got a win over the former champion. So there's still a way to shoehorn him into a title fight, Shaheen, even if he beats Brandon Moreno. So that could still happen. <laughs> it's very possible. We can live in your world as well. We can live in both worlds. We can start in my world and just take a quick drive over to your world. Very possible. I'm here for it. Very I'm here for it. Now, Jed, let's move on to the middleweight division. Oh, I just want to say this. Brandon Moreno is going to fight Mateus Nicolau next. Uh, It'd be cool when there's a world where he fights Cejudo, but he's just going to fight Nicolau next. And we're not going to talk about it. We don't need to. Uh, Don't sleep on Figgy Smalls hanging around and getting a title shot against Pants. That's like in play since Figgy didn't really leave the division, sort of said he was, but never happened. And now Moreno's gone. So, well, I mean, there's... There's discussions going on about a 135 fight for Figgy Smalls. I mean, there are, there are discussions. The but, and there's, yeah, there's but some smoke to that fire. To say that that fight's done. Those discussions be happened sure. before Brandon Moreno lost the belt. Mm, those discussions might might be turning around and coming back. If I'm in Figgy's camp, I'm I'm at least making a call, seeing what my title opportunities are. I, I can make weight for, for Abu Dhabi. Former champ versus new champ. One twenty-five, though. Jeez, Louise. I don't know for a belt. <laughs> belt belts change things. But what were you saying? We can move forward. 
I mean, we're going to talk about the middleweight division. I figure we could talk mm-hmm. about Bo Nickel, right? Like, that's who you want to talk about, right? He's, Look, he's teeing you up to break. Nichols, so, Bo so Nichols go. got, go got himself go a ahead. lot. Just a go lot ahead and go. Just go he ahead. did it, boys! <laughs> he did it! I've been <laughs> saying it for weeks. Chickas do plus C. Izzy taking all my shine saying he manifested it. Izzy, you said it like once. I've been chanting it from the rooftops of YouTube. Just do the thing. And he did it. And it's this is one of the I won't say I'm wrong because we none of us were wrong. It was just a dumb fight to make. I I said it. I'll say in I'm the, wrong. The, I will gladly say I'm wrong. No, it was still a dumb fight to make because the risk was there, but the reward is so great because not only is this now like a number one with the bullet undeniable title fight with heat, but like I now actually believe DDP can win, which I did not a week ago or whatever. I'm not saying he will, but this man just stopped Robert Whitaker. Only one other dude has done that at middleweight and he happens to be the champion and he did it and like, it wasn't a white like he didn't rinse him or anything, but he was winning the fight. He won the first round, looked extremely good doing it, and then just blew the doors off him in the second. Like nose job DDP boys. I was I was trying to tell you, you and Brian Campbell and the rest of the world, he's here. He is here. I am so pumped about this insane thing that's going to happen with these two. It's going to be so ugly. I mean, we got a preview of how ugly it is, and that is just the beginning, my friend. Uh, (laughs) It's going to get awful. It's going to get a lot worse before it gets better. But there is real heat here. We have a real matchup. Please, God, don't do this for the Australia card. That is not enough time to let this marinate. That is too quick a turnaround for DDP. Let this cook. If you have to have Izzy fight, Sean Strickland can go in there and and DDP can sit cage side and wait and then fight Izzy afterwards, you know, early next year at whatever the big January, February card is going to be. But, boys, he did it. I'm so proud of of my large adult son, Drickus Duplessis. Just well done. Well done. Good on him. That was just – to say it like, yeah, you're right. He didn't like rinse him, but like for the last five minutes, cleanly fight, won. He kind of did. He kind of did. Kinda, like, kind of did. The first Dude. three minutes were all Robert Whitaker, but the last every second after that was D, was all DDP. Dude, he. It will get lost in the shuffle because it was just such an enormous thing. The fact that he, the entire narrative, and not a, like a reasonable narrative is. Robert Whitaker is just so technical. Like he's so skilled. He's got so many abilities. And DDP can head and arm throws him like this is a contender series women's freaking flyweight fight. Just head and arm chucks him and then beats the hell out of him on the floor. Like white belt shit over one of the most skilled, accomplished technical fighters. Is it was the most fitting way for DDP to just establish. Yeah, you guys think I don't know how to fight, and I actually might not like be good at fighting, but I kick ass at fighting. It ruled. I love that fight so much. Shaheen, we like we, we talked about this uh, on the preview show. Like, what would be more shocking, DDP winning this fight or Bo Nickel losing? And it like is an actual conversation to be had, which is so funny to think about, especially considering how this Bo Nickel fight played out. But the fact that. This wasn't Bobby Knuckles like piecing up uh, DDP and just working him and then DDP lands a flash knockout. This was 
DDP got the momentum, that snowball rolled downhill, and then it turned into a freaking avalanche against Robert Whitaker, and nobody really saw that coming. So what was the most surprising thing about this performance? Like the win, I'm sure, is surprising enough, but the the way it happened is just even more surprising because nobody saw it coming like that. It was just going to be like if DDP wins, it's going to be something quick and chaotic and out of nowhere, and that's not what happened here. Look, Mike Heck, unlike some people on this panel right now, I am not too proud of a man to admit when I am wrong. (laughs) I was so, so deeply, deeply wrong about everything and anything when it came to this fight. And I have been wrong for weeks and weeks. I was wrong minutes before this fight started when I was texting, when me and New York Rick, Eric Jaglin, were going back and forth on Slack, and I was talking trash about the booking of this fight literally as they were walking to the cage. <laughs> like, I could not have been more wrong about everything related to this fight because it just made no damn sense, right? It, you're putting a guy up in this division where Izzy just doesn't have a compelling contender right now. There's absolutely nothing. If you're if Alex Pereira is at 205, there's nothing going at, interesting at 185. Yet you have this guy who ha- he has heat with, and he has some some pretty minor momentum. Like why why are you going to throw that momentum, hurl it into the concrete wall that is Robert Whitaker, a guy who is 12 and 0 since 2014 at 185 against not, anybody not named Izzy. 12 and 0 since 2014. If Israel Adesanya doesn't exist in this world or never makes the transition to MMA, Robert Whitaker might have just been the champion for like nine years. And we'd be talking about this guy like we talk about Anderson Silva. Like that's what we're facing right now. And you just gonna throw a, a man who was kind of a meme against him and just and just ruin it so we can get Whitaker as E3. I I have criticized this to the to Helen back, and dude, I was so deeply wrong because the reason you booked this fight. The very reason you booked this fight is for the exact reason that we that ended up playing out tonight. Because right now, Izzy versus DDP is 10 times bigger. It's 20 times bigger than it would have been had we just gone right straight to it. And you know what? Exactly what Jed said. Kind of feels like there's a decent chance DDP wins. Like, I don't know if I'm going to pick him, but I am infinitely more confident that that's a competitive fight than I was 48 hours ago, 24 hours ago, like nose breathing DDP. We all made fun of it, but apparently that is very real thing because that man has never looked more capable. That man has never looked more dangerous. And no one has done that to Robert Whitaker since Izzy did it to Robert Whitaker. And that was just mind blowing. And to a certain respect, like I, I, we, on the preview show on Friday, we didn't even really talk about this fight at all. We went for like an hour 30 and I Hours. don't think this fight came up until like an hour 29. Like it was at the very end when I sort of threw out like what would be more surprising, this this happening or Bo Nickel losing. Like that was our coverage of the fight on the one and a half hour preview show because every, it was just such a foregone conclusion that this wouldn't happen. And then it did. And you know what, man, I'm so excited for it because this fight suddenly is I like, this is going to be theater. Like we have not seen since McGregor Nurmagomedov and it's going to get ugly in a way that we have not seen since McGregor Nurmagomedov. And I will tell you what I, we have already seen it start to happen. The Disney machine that produces these fights and runs these fights is not prepared for the depths to which this this lead up is going to sink. Like this is going to get ugly in a way that MMA has not really had to face and that MMA discourse has not had to face. And I'm just very, I'm very intrigued by it all. 
I, I'm very entertained by this whole thing. This is all just very, very ridiculous in a way that no one saw coming. And I'm, I, I can't wait for this fight, frankly. Dude, it's gonna, it's gonna be the best. We're about to live in a world where Izzy, Izzy Adesanya and the Disney Machine are gonna have to prepare potentially for Sean Strickland and Drickus Duplessis back to back. Wow, wow. Cue up the. I don't give a shit. These guys are fighters from Dana White for the next seven months because that's what's about to happen. Wow. Can DDP, we can we just done. briefly? Can we, I just want to briefly say, as I said this in the post fight press when I was talking with uh, with Casey, what a what a incredible opportunity for Izzy. Like we're all just gonna forget that two years ago, eighteen months ago, the conversation around Izzy was he is boring. He is a boring a, champion. A this sucks. A year ago, this is this is yeah. such a great point because I like I, I came to, I I agree with you 100. But I want to let you finish. But this is such a great yeah. point. It's just like a year ago, the conversation was he's boring. Last international fight week, I guess, was the was the Cannoneer fight, and we're just like this sucks. And Izzy's doing a post fight presser where he is just getting really angry because everybody rightfully is saying that that's a boring fight, and he's like, y'all don't know, it's really good. And then, sure, he does lose to Pereira, but we get the Pereira, the UFC fast tracks Pereira, we get that. He loses, and that sucks, but it's probably better than him winning boringly and being a boring champion, and then that's still the narrative because we get the loss, we get the comeback, the sensational KO, that's all anyone's talking about. It might be KO of the year until we talk about something else that happens this card. And then now he's set up to have this feud in a fight that is almost certainly... Whatever your thoughts about DDP, that man is not in a boring fight. <laughs> like he, he is, that's going to be a fun fight. And he may also squeeze in Sean Strickland in there. Like the turnaround in 365 days, just incredible for Izzy. What a, what a pivot. And just wanted to acknowledge that. It's a, it's an amazing point. And if like, if you're Izzy, this is manna from heaven. Right. Like exactly what you were just saying. We were talking about this guy. He was almost in his Anderson Silva circa 2008, 2009 phase where just everyone was was crapping on everything because we were a bored with the dominance, but also be like things were just starting to feel listless. There wasn't really direction. There wasn't compelling challenges. And now all of a sudden, this guy just comes out of the most interesting rivalry to hit this 185 pound division since Anderson Silva versus Chael Sonnen and goes straight into another rivalry that to me is now all of a sudden just as good and is probably again incredibly it's the heated. Fight in the UFC. Like, this is going to be the most, like, for the Alex stuff, we saw a different side of Izzy than we would see with the Cannoneer fights or Vittoria or whatever, right? Like, we saw really focused, this is important to me on, like, a personal level, Izzy. I, for this next one, like, we're about to see, like, the the ultra-pissed-off Paulo Costa, Izzy. And, like, I am so excited for that and whatever this is going to be because for the, the, the sample that we got, the small sample between these two on Saturday and what we saw, like, the interplay between them, after weeks and months of that, like, these two men are going to hate each other in a real profound way, and it's going to be very interesting to see what that brings out of Izzy. Like, I am just very all in on this now like well done UFC matchmakers that's why y'all doing what you're doing and I'm doing what I'm doing because I don't know shit compared to what you're doing because I would never have booked this fight and I would and we thus we would never have gotten this magical situation that we now have I hated that whole thing with Izzy and DDP most oh, it was the worst Izzy. thing that's happened oh, it was in terrible. a long time 
It was but terrible. DDP, Izzy, Izzy was awful. DDP, DDP actually did did well. DDP was great. And what I loved about DDP so much in that situation is that Izzy's in the octagon. And most fighters in that position would have like stopped talking to Rogan and looked right at Izzy. And DDP not only finished his sentence but he extended it by like an extra 45 seconds and repeated himself a bunch just to keep him waiting. waiting and he did it on purpose. There's no doubt in my mind he did it on purpose until Rogan pointed him out to him. And he's like, well, all right, I guess. Oh, I forgot. This guy's here. Wasn't thinking about it. I was breathing all this air through my nose. And DDP just like no sold all of it. It was, it was good. It, It was good stuff from DDP. Dude, did you catch the very slight jab? Uh, DDP uh, t- absolutely 10-9 Dizzy in the face-off. Like, yeah. as Rogan throws it over, he's like, and now the best middleweight in the world. And DDP's just like, I'm not so sure about that. <laughs> and, and then Izzy gets in and is a lunatic um, in the worst and, like, least constructive way possible. And it was a really bad look for him. I, I am shocked to find out that DDP – clearly won the first face off yeah wouldn't have bet that for sure for sure what a 23 and me just a and, awful and, line man and that's 36 the least it was 36 ugly. and me and then 26 and me that's the least ugly this is going to get over the next like several months like what we just saw tonight is the least is like the the least bad version of whatever this discourse is going to be like i'm telling you mma is not prepared for whatever this is about to be I desperately need Izzy to get somebody to check his lines. Just be like, hey, the frozen like else is a bad line. You should you should certainly not say it once and definitely not say it like three times. You should <laughs> everyone is already mocking DDP for like the where's his zip code as an idiot line. Uh where's his <laughs> 23andMe is like way worse. It is way dumber. So just don't. Just don't do it. <laughs> yes. Congratulations to Dan Hooker. What a fight with Jalen Turner. Um, I'm sure we might get a fan question or two about that. Bo Nickel. Another fight of the year contender. Got to say. Yeah, I hope so. We got to talk about that fight. Who won this card? Tremendous fight. Um, I I do want to touch on it. It is very late. um, So I'm hoping a fan question comes up about that. So Casey, keep that in mind. Bo Nickel doing Bo Nickel things as expected as a massive favorite over Val Woodburn. The Bellator Champion Series is back in action Friday, May 17th, live from Paris, France. Reigning bantamweight champ Patchy Mix defends his belt in a rematch against dangerous submission specialist Magomed Magomedov. And Cedric the Best Doombay makes his Bellator debut in front of a home Paris crowd versus Jaleel the Realist Willis. Don't miss the action live at noon EST on HBO here in the U.S., and visit bellator.com slash watch for information on how to watch around the world. This is the very first time you'll be able to stream a Cedric Bay fight here in the U.S., so make sure you don't miss it. Support for this show comes from Sylvan Learning. As a parent, you want your child to have every opportunity, but giving them the tools they need to tackle every challenge, that takes a team. Now more than ever, educational support tailored exactly to what your child needs can make all the difference. That's why parents have trusted Sylvan Learning for 45 years as the ultimate teammate in their child's educational journey, instilling in them a love for learning and a passion for reaching the next level. 
And Sylvan's insight assessment can identify gaps in learning and areas that could be of concern for your child. It's a 360-degree view into your child's learning that you can't find anywhere else and helps ensure that your child didn't miss something in school that might put them at a disadvantage in the future. And right now, it's the best price of the year at $29. Go to sylvan29.com to learn more and get your child's assessment for only $29. That's S-Y-L-V-A-N-29.com. But we have to talk about the other big story from this card. We have to talk about something that doesn't happen very often in this sport, Shaheen. Yes. A happy ending, like a tremendously fairy tale ending to a legendary career. Because GC and I were talking about this right before we went on air for the watch party. The last time we were in this position and we knew a fighter was going to retire and it was in the same exact spot on a pay-per-view card. It was UFC 283 in Brazil. Shogun Hua is fighting Ihor Poteria, the duelist, and he gets brutally knocked out, gets danced over, humiliated almost in his final fight. And we, th- that's how we had to start the watch party, was reacting to that. This time around, we get Robbie Lawler, and we get the red carpet treatment. We get the first round knockout. We get hockey fight Robbie Lawler. Stands over the man, knows Nico Price is out, puts his arms up in the sky, gets emotional, and then they bring Joe Rogan in, and they show the video, and like you predicted, we got emotional Robbie Lawler. I mean... Just go, man. Just go. I mean, what what else? I can't say much more. I'm just going to sit back and let you talk poetically about just the iconic ending to an iconic career. Dude, I've I've been working with an MMA for more than a decade of my life. Like like a good chunk of my adult life has been dealing with this sport and sort of functioning within it. We've criticized the UFC a lot over the years, and, and justifiably so when, when it happens, I feel like. And they've messed up the retirement thing pretty much every time we've done it for a legend, right? Like you could name on one hand the number of legend retirements that were actually fun, that that actually sort of were pieced together in a way that could be fun. Frankie Edgar getting knocked out in front of his wife and kids in Madison Square Garden against a young dude for no reason. Uh, you mentioned Shogun Hua. Anderson Silva fighting Uriah Hall for no real reason and, again, getting knocked out. Like There's just a long list of this we could go on and on and on. This was one of the coolest moments, um, if not the coolest, to be honest, um, that I have seen in a long, long time of working within this sport like and and Robbie Lawler goddamn deserved it and I'm so glad that it happened to a guy like Robbie Lawler because this was just incredible like every every kudos to the UFC for every single piece of this whole production the matchmaking the performance which kudos to Robbie Lawler for and then to have the highlights package just ready for him afterwards in a way like I can't remember really ever seeing that before I don't maybe they've done that before but it certainly is escaping me if they have um, and just teeing Robbie up to have sort of that emotional moment. Like Robbie Lawler is the Terminator. Robbie Lawler is the guy 
who for 23 years was the most terrorizing or one of the most terrorizing figures in the entire sport. He is the most violent man that has ever laced up a pair of four ounce gloves in the history of this sport. And if you're putting together a Mount Rushmore of the most violent, entertaining fighters we've ever seen, it's him and Justin Gaethje cemented in their two spots. And then you can go ahead and debate about whoever gets the other two. Like that's who this guy is. That's who he was. That's how he's, who he's always been. And to put together something that even got him, that even got him smelling the onions a bit, that even got him feeling that dust in the eye a little bit. Like, unbelievable moment. And I wish so badly that we would get more moments like this because the UFC is so clearly capable of it when they when they put their minds to it and they actually use a little creativity. But goddamn, that was just so cool, man. Because Robbie Lawler, that like again, that's so that's one dude that actually deserves this type of thing, right? Like for him to go out in year twenty three with the i think the second fastest knockout of his entire career second or third fastest knockout of his entire career and to send this man to the land of wind and go wind and ghosts in 38 seconds and then just all of it like it's just iconic it's the best retirement in mma history and i don't feel like that's hyperbole like name me a better one because i can't think of one and i've been trying to think of one for hours and i and nothing is coming to me this to me was was again just the the best way for a legend to have ever gone out and i'm so glad that it came together in the way that it did robbie lawler's amazing man robbie lawler's so awesome he, the only fighter in the history of this sport to put together three consecutive fights of the year uh, for our website from 2014 to 2016. His title reign meant so much to that welterweight division. It really pulled that division out of that post GSP malaise that it was sort of in, in that moment in time. And the way that he reinvented himself in his second sort of chapter, this very unexpected second, second era of for Robbie Lawler that we didn't see coming. I mean, we talked about it at length on the preview show, but like, Casey, you and I were like, we, we very deeply remember or very clearly remember being at those strike force shows and seeing like a middleweight Robbie Lawler just kind of plot around in their middleweight division, losing to guys he shouldn't be losing to and just seemingly not caring whatsoever. And for him to come back to the UFC and have the welterweight title run that he did and become the legend that he had and have two of the greatest fights of all time, pretty much back to back with Roy Lawler or Rory McDonald and, and uh, Carlos Condit. No one deserved this more tonight than Robbie Lawler. And I was, I, MMA hasn't made me cry in a really long time. I was so fucking close to crying tonight watching sort of this man break down in this moment. Like it was, it's just amazing, man. It's so cool. We get these type of moments so rarely. And again, I've said it a couple of times, but I'm so happy that this happened for Robbie Lawler because it's just, no one deserved it more. It was incredible stuff. Jed, anything you want to add to that? I mean, it's hard to add much to it. It is just this because I echo everything Shaheen said. I have given the UFC as much shit as probably anybody in this space. And I stand by everything I said. Don't take back a word of it. Never would. Credit where due. When somebody does something right, you got to give them credit. And this is it was perfect that nothing could have gone better. Even if this outcome hadn't happened, I thought it was fine matchmaking, like a good good matchmaking for it and the fact that they rose to the call that they answered it in such a tremendous way this is the best retirement in the sports history probably not the best moment in the history of the sport just because Robbie Lola winning the title meant a whole lot to me at the time Misha Tate in a similar circumstance winning the title is sort of incredibly uplifting thing but it's right there on the short list and I think I have a lot of thoughts about this and the two that keep coming up the most are 
first and foremost, it's about Robbie Lawler and it's not just what he gave and what Shaheen said and all of that being true. Who is unhappy right now? I'm not even sure Nico Price and Nico Price's family are upset with the outcome that just occurred. And that is like I don't I frankly don't know how to quantify that, like uh, how to, uh, how to even put that into words that like in this sport with the animosity that can grow universally beloved. And it frankly makes me like genuinely question what greatness is as a fighter, because like I, I said this briefly to to uh, Casey earlier tonight. I don't think there's a person alive who would not argue that. Alexander Volkanovsky is a a greater fighter than Robbie Lawler. When Volk retires, is are there going to be grown men weeping about it? Is 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 everyone going to be like that's the most incredible moment of my MMA fandom? Maybe greatness might need to encompass more than just unbelievable wins, but the emotion you make me feel, and I frankly I don't know if there are maybe three fighters who have made me feel more things than Robbie Lawler has. So. Everything is great about it. And the last thing, because this has been very positive, so let's end on a negative here. Uh, the other thing that I keep coming back to is this is why I am hard on the UFC, because they can do this. They have the capability. They know how to. And if you put forth your B effort, the best case result you can get is a B. You are not setting yourself up for success. You are setting yourself up for mediocrity. But if you try real damn hard, maybe it doesn't get there. Maybe Nico Price knocks him out, you know? Like maybe that just is how that happens. But maybe it doesn't. And maybe you get this outcome that is going to resonate with me for the rest of my adult life. I will remember UFC 290. I don't remember many of these cards. There's so many of them. I'll remember this for as long as I live because that moment is so special. And that's my my the reason I'm hard on the UFC is not because I hate them. It's because I know what they are capable of and we deserve that. We deserve more. It is okay to ask and demand more from the promotion because look at what tonight was. Look at what that Robbie Lawler moment was. Why wouldn't I want that as often as I possibly can get? And I hope that this will be some sort of watershed moment. And Dana White in the post-fight press conference was like, you know, we hadn't really ever done it before. And I, some of these other retirements I wasn't all sure about. But Robbie, I knew for sure. I'm hoping that this is a thing that they'll say, you know what? Everyone loved that. The next time we have one of these, let's do that again. That was, that was the best. And if this is the fight that turns it around that says no more – miserable fights that are going to end our legends off and let's let's send them off in a celebration or at least with a real chance for a celebration then it's frankly one of the most important <laughs> moments in mma history as well so it was awesome uh the rest of this fight card could have sucked and it didn't matter uh, this this night was perfect for, from that moment on anyway and then the rest of the card kicked ass yeah and that's the thing almost just to add to that table too just to add to that really quick, because that's the thing. Everything you just said there is spot on, because why couldn't we get this for Frankie Edgar, right? Frankie There's Edgar no fighting reason. MSG in front of his family, in front of all his friends, in front of his coaches, his teammates, everyone who's been on this journey. Why are we seeing him get need to oblivion by a young, hungry, up-and-coming guy rather than something like this? Like There are so many opportunities where we could have had moments like this, where you can truly celebrate these incredible athletes who have given us so much because that's the thing man like this is a hateful sport 
right? Like, like it's kind of geared. Everything within this sport is geared around hatred, rivalries, trash talking, the entire internet sort of community. That everything about it is is geared around hatred and, and you know bad, mean words happening to mean people and just bad results in that way. These athletes are not celebrated in the way that they should be, especially the legends, by pretty much everyone within the sport. The fans, the media, the the promotion, etc. Like this is the one moment where you can have a real celebration of someone. Frankie Edgar deserved to be celebrated on his way out. Shogun Hua deserved to be celebrated on his way out for all that they had given us, all of the gifts that they had given us with their lives. Like they are they're losing massive parts of their lives through what they are doing with this. And the fact that at least they could get this one right with Robbie Lawler. I hope to God what you just said there is, is correct, Jed, that this is sort of a sea change for the UFC in, in the way that they handle these sort of situations, that they can see what this means to people, right? Like this really means meant something tonight for a lot of people in a way that was very profound and in a way we really don't ever see in MMA. And I hope the UFC can see that and recognize that. And I'd like to think they can because there's a lot of smart people within the UFC who are very clear into a lot of this stuff and i'd like to think that they saw what this all meant to a lot of us and that this is something that we can get moving forward when it, when the time calls for it. it doesn't need to be everyone right not everyone maybe gets to the level of significance that a robbie or a frankie or a shogun does but certain guys do and robbie lawler i mean our, our buddy mike bond had the stats tonight like he was the last guy in the ufc who had multiple fights in pride on his resume like he he is a relic of an era that no longer exists and is never coming back him and the bettendorf boys barnstorming across the world and just becoming the scourge of the american midwest that meant something to a lot of people and the fact that we were able to put a bow on it in this way is incredibly special and i'm just so happy it worked out yeah it justified even- my fandom for sure. Yeah, man. For sure. For so sure. I'm saying like the, the simplest way I can say it is I spend a lot of time like wondering why I'm a fan of this sport. I know why because I love it. I love a lot of it, but there are a lot of shitty parts to it, man. Just straight up tonight justified it. Like that was like that's why. I could never quit this sport because of that. Yeah. Even the flashbacks of like international fight weeks of the past that they did throughout the prelims. Like going back to the UFC 200 one where – you got on the first night, Eddie Alvarez becoming the lightweight champion, knocking out Rafael dos Anjos. Then the next night, you get Ioanni and Jacek versus Claudia Gedalia for the strawweight title. And then the third night is UFC 200. And I know that card wasn't what it was meant to be, but still a very special night for the sport. Began the Amanda Nunes run. We got Brock freaking Lesnar backed, juice to the gills, but still got him. And everything else that happened on that card, that like that would that's when like International Fight Week was just so special. And then to like top mm-hmm. it off with Robbie Lawler having this moment tonight, like it just kind of brought me back to 2016 in a way, and 2015 and 2014, like the good old days where we really got into the sport before all the politics and all the bullshit and all like it was about the fights and the fighters and the events and not about. Dana being bored and promoting other things. Like it was about the fight week. It was that Super Bowl experience. And it was just so cool seeing that moment and just like going back to the past and seeing some of those other cool moments. Like everything just tied together in such a beautiful way tonight because of this Robbie Lawler moment. It was just so cool. And and I think you make a great point, Jed. Sometimes you have to think about like what got us to the dance and why we 
like th- even when in the bad, like why we still love this as much as we do. And damn right, Jed, moments like this, moments like this, Dude, when, perfect. When you're slogging through like twelve <laughs> weeks of contender series main events, is a the the weeds can be tough, and then you get this, and you're like. Never mind, back end. Can't love it, love it forever. This is 100%. That's I can 100%. Best. Yeah. And I, also, there's I, not a lot of things that are going to make me scream like a lunatic and weep in my apartment on a Saturday night by myself, but this was one of them. Yeah. Also, low key credit to Robbie for just generally, again, low key being one of the greatest chooser of walkout musics ever because, like, he, he is just succeeded at this time and time again when he was champion he would come out to hold on i'm coming that was just that was always a moment i've been in the arena for those walkouts and it was just Dude, chilling they, juicy and always they and hit him tonight, with it on his exit too yeah, it was, when, it when was he cut they awesome. hit him hold on and it got me it got me it real bad so awesome. there are so many memories i have tied to that song from being in the crowd of those just incredible fights of the year that that man put on but then tonight to walk out to the last of the mohicans theme so fitting that man was the last of the Mohicans. Like you could not have chosen a more perfect song than what he chose tonight. Robbie Lawler, underrated, sneaky, great walkout music chooser of all time. Got to say it. Dude, you actually couldn't write this better. Like there's, it's I so cannot good, think man. of a way to improve it. I genuinely it can't think of a way to be better. It was a movie. It was a movie. Like it was amazing. Yep. Well done. A plus. A plus plus. I would give, and then some other stuff happened on the prelims. <laughs> yes, we had Tetsuro Tyra remaining undefeated. Edgar Chiras gave him some fits, but all in all, Denise Gomez twenty second KO of Yasmin Hadagi. That was incredible. Lonzo Menafield gets the finish in the second round of a fight that didn't seem like it was going to be very exciting, and then Alonzo jumped to Gilly, and it worked out in his favor. And those who bet the under. We're very excited for that. So congratulations to you underbetters. Vitor Petrino gets it done. Cameron Simon gets it done. Jesus Aguilar, Jesus Christ almighty. What a knockout that man had. Just flatlining poor Shannon Ross. Esteban I need Rebovic a stack guy. I need a stack guy to look that up for me because I can't imagine the last time a dude got a sub 20 second KO and didn't get a bonus. Yeah. Oh, didn't we just I have one have. last week? Didn't we just have one last week? Did we? Pretty disappointing, the bonuses on this card generally, right? Like this is a card that's obviously going to do very well financially for the UFC. Big international fight week things, sellout, et cetera. Crazy performances up and down, and we're just going to give out 450Ks. Come on, man. Dude, it's we broke oh, the no. record. It was, it was a minute for Renat. We broke the record this week for most uh, sub one minute. <laughs> wins in ufc modern ufc history Bro, and in most like of two, those people didn't get money <laughs> in like 2009 they were hanging out 75k bonuses somehow we have gone so deep, so far backwards on this like it's just silly they they Denise Gomez is the only one of the billion dollars last year <laughs> crazy they they profited almost a half a billion dollars last year and we're still giving these guys an extra yeah, profit half a billion because you don't give away bonuses. That's how you do it. <laughs> Got to work for this guy. Make yeah. sure you work yeah, for that guy. Yeah. Oh, but by the record, uh, for the record, um, you asked about sub 
20 second knockouts. The only one I could think of offhand was Jermaine 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 when she knocked out Aspen Ladd in uh, 16 seconds and did not get a bonus. But I think it was because most people thought that she was a great stoppage. Oh yeah, yeah, that's right, that's right, that's right. Let me let me, let me tell you, Jesus Aguilar's was not an early stoppage. That was not an early stoppage. No. <laughs> no. no. Also, Dude, was I can't. Somebody criticizing that stoppage? Am I am I imagining that, or was somebody criticizing that stoppage? I don't know. That would be an insane thing to criticize. <laughs> what no. am I thinking of? Um, I'm thinking of Rogan criticized. There was one stoppage he criticized. Uh, the Cameron Simon. Maybe it was one, the maybe? Cameron Simon one. Yeah, I think it was the Cameron. Simon. I mean, uh, yeah, I think it was. I no, it was the DDC. No, it was the DDC Gomez, Gomez one. It was the Gomez yeah. one. That's, okay. That stoppage yeah. happened way late. No, I, yeah, I, thought, I, actually, I thought that I don't was, know if I thought I like that was a good stoppage. stoppage. I'm like, what? What are you talking? Yeah, when they slowed it down, Hadagi was like falling over on herself when she was trying. Yeah, to Yeah, I thought the stoppage should have happened sooner. Oh, oh, yes. oh, okay. I thought they were saying it was too early. Okay, no. Oh no, I definitely thought that stoppage should have happened. They were sooner, saying no. But... They were saying it was too early. That Rogan oh. didn't like the stoppage. Oh, uh, look. Okay. We don't need to get into the commentary. They were pretty tough yeah, yeah. tonight um, yeah, yeah. in a lot of respects. But it is baffling to me that that Robbie Lawler KO didn't get a performance bonus. Absolutely yeah. shocking. I don't – yeah. It's just stupid. Stupid. Also, just a brief shout-out to Esteban Rebovich, Kimuela Kirk, because on many fight night cards, that would have been your fight of the night. And it's – no one's ever going to think about that fight again. That fight might as well not have happened. Yeah, good tone setter. Good tone setter for the night, though. I mean, if that fight yeah, happens last week, uh, I guess Brenner Kutatolatze was really good. Fight happens a few weeks ago, might be getting 50K. Now, no one's ever going to think about you ever again. Yeah, this is the Marco Polo Reyes Dung Young Kim fight of UFC 199. Yes. Like that's the tone for that crazy ass call card. But, yeah, okay. Oh. You know, I was comparing this fight as I think earlier. I can't remember what. Maybe it was off air. Had this might be the best pay per view since UFC 189, and I was looking at 189, and I think from top to bottom, this card is actually way better. Thirteen no, well, fights. Well, so, and, hold on. And all because that was the thing about I mean, 189. That was the thing about 189. Is was it was dreadful up until those final seven fights. It was a slog. Yeah, yeah. The, the but then that final seven, yeah. was just magic but um this is like from the first fight to the 13th fight they're all winners and the card got better and better and better so wow good job fighters yeah. too bad you're not good making card. more money sorry <laughs> good stuff all right i'll take a couple of questions from the peeps because i can barely speak at this point you know what um actually almost all the questions are about like Who's next? Who's next? Who's Rob going to fight next? And I think all those questions can be answered tomorrow on some other okay. podcast. On to all the right, next so, one, baby. Yes. You already got one of my one of my picks. And uh, if that's if, if Brandon Moreno, Henry Cejudo is just just the tease, just imagine what the rest of the picks are going to look like. Uh, AK will be joining me as well. Then he's going to be off for a couple of weeks. So we're going to be bringing in some mystery guests mm-hmm. for on to the next one moving forward. And Boy, can we not wait to matchmake after Holly Holm, Myra Bueno Silva. So stay tuned for that. Minimum um, title fight, boys. Positivity, people. Stay, keep it positive. So before we go, before we go, Jed and Shaheen, you both wanted to talk about Dan Hooker, Jalen Turner. What a friggin' fight that was. That was outstanding. Both sides. 
I don't know what Dan Hooker is made of because at one point in round two, Jalen Turner basically kicked a field goal on his face with everything he had. And Dan Hooker was just like, okay, I'm fine. And Dan Hooker just battled his way through, gets the decision win. Judges got it right. He gets it done. Jed, AK hates the, uh, he got that dog in him. But the cliche kind of works here for Dan Hooker, does it not? This was this was something. What a performance. Incredible performance. Um, I mean, one, lightweight rules. We're talking about Jalen Turner, a dude who just went hammer and tongs with Matush Gamrot, one of the six best guys in the world. Dan Hooker, I know he had just beat Claudia Poyas, but really rough run and the 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 rose-colored glasses case for him is he's only lost to the best he lost to his Makachev. um you know he lost to, to michael chandler he lost to dustin poirier jalen turner's not that level so you know here we are and yet i didn't buy it and then hooker comes out and i two thoughts the first one uh and the most important one wow dan hooker is incredibly tough i am really concerned that that was the last one i got a lot of carlos condit robbie lawler vibes about him just sort of refusing to die in there in a way that i'm really interested to see what his next fight looks like and if that was just all the gas that he had left and he used it and great great time to use it fantastic performance but that is such a such a hard fight for both men. I, I want to see what they look like coming out of it. The second one, because I'm going to be a little bit of a shit eater, um, because that's who I am as a person. Just so just so we're clear, uh, that Dan Hooker, who's a damn good fighter, a top 11, 12 lightweight, we're out here pretending that John Jones deserves SB for Fighter of the Year when Islam Makachev beat Alexander Volkanovsky and Charles Oliveira and has beaten Dan Hooker in dominant fashion. And we're all just like, nah, let's, let's forget about how good Islam is. Just wanted to say that. It's up to you, Shaheen. I got two things. I got two things for this one. One you sort of hit on to me, his like Dan Hooker's zombie sort of esque revival after kind of a brutal opening round to me that was so beautifully emblematic of this weird career revival that he's kind of gone undergone so since he went like one in four from like 2020 to 2022 because i don't know man it felt like he looked cooked a lot after his war with dustin poirier right like there was a lot of people sort of writing him off and i felt like there was reason to i mean three first round stoppage losses he had that sort of like desperation drop in weight that we sort of see a lot from this type of situation where it's that last gasp of like a drowning ex-contender just sort of trying out something to make it work to to figure out something that could work but man like he he again i I, it's one of those things where it's it's showing off the foolishness of writing off these guys too soon uh because this was tremendous like this is another fight of the year contender i think this one we'll probably be talking about at the end of the year too and then secondly the the way that this the, the exchange, I would say, the post-fight exchange with Joe Rogan was just delightful. Like, this is just a reminder that fighters are a totally different breed than the rest of us. The, did you break your arm during the fight? And then Dan Hooker just says, just, just a, a scratch. scratch. And then cackles maniacally. And then, meanwhile, tweets out like a, a x-ray of a broken arm like an hour later. 
Dude, that's not his best tweet. His best tweet is the photo of him and Jalen Turner in the fucking ER, and it looks like Jalen Turner just, like, is visiting his friend who is hospitalized. You would have absolutely no idea that Dan Hooker won this fight looking at that because this this sport is real dumb. <laughs> just a scratch. Just a scratch. Just a scratch. Maybe that's what we'll headline this. UFC 290 post-fight show, just a scratch. You can hit the music, oh, I- Casey. I had another headline for us as we exit. Um, UFC 290, the death of the Mexican resurgence. Sheesh, man. One in four. Pretty pretty tough night for for UFC Mexico. Started off good with uh, one of the knockouts of the year. Alexa Grasso. Yeah, when when Valentina gets the belt back, it's... Man, that's going to have been a tough moment for us. UFC South Africa coming right along, though, baby. And we yes. didn't get the Mexico City event with all these people. We could have. Who needed it, Sheen? Why would we do that? <laughs> well, well, maybe we'll see some of these fighters on the September 16th card. Obviously, the Mexican fans are out there in Vegas because they were loud and they were rambunctious tonight for their fighters. But unfortunately, uh, can't be their night every single time. So, but thank you all for joining us. Uh, we're done. What a fun night of fights for Jed, for Casey, for Shaheen. I am Mike Heck. We'll see you in about five hours right here on on to the next one. Good night, everybody. Love y'all. You're listening to the Vox Media Podcast Network. The Bellator Champion Series is back in action Friday, May 17th, live from Paris, France. Reigning bantamweight champ Patchy Mix defends his belt in a rematch against dangerous submission specialist Magomed Magomedov. And Cedric the Best Doombay makes his Bellator debut in front of a home Paris crowd versus Jaleel the Realist Willis. Don't miss the action live at noon EST on HBO here in the U.S., and visit bellator.com slash watch for information on how to watch around the world. This is the very first time you'll be able to stream a Cedric Doombay fight here in the U.S., so make sure you don't miss it.